Richard Blissbrook here. We are live. You sit here today with none other than Mark Victor Hansen. Bob Proctor. This is Kendra Hall. Tanya Stringer. Jeff Canfield. Whit Jones. James Clear. Les Brown. People want to hear stories. I like getting stories out of my guests here. So thanks for joining us. Dan McCormick is an accomplished entrepreneur, network marketing, and host of the popular podcast, The Greatest Salesman. With an unwavering commitment to helping others and a genuine passion for personal development, Dan has created an inspiring legacy for his family and impacted the lives of countless individuals around the world. Born and raised in Kirkland, Washington, Dan's early years were marked by struggles with low self-esteem and academic challenges. Despite these setbacks, he never lost sight of his true potential. After a brief stint at Washington State University, Dan discovered his calling in network marketing and embarked on a remarkable journey of personal and professional growth. Dropping out of college proved to be a pivotal moment for Dan. He embraced the principles of authenticity and sincerity, dedicating himself to serving others and making a positive impact. His relentless pursuit of knowledge and self-improvement led him to devour the book the greatest secret in the world, and immerse himself in the millionaire training cassette tapes he received early in his career. Through hard work, determination, and an unwavering belief in the power of network marketing, Dan achieved extraordinary success at an early age. Surpassing the million dollar milestone by the age of 22, he discovered that network marketing offered him opportunities and rewards that traditional education couldn't provide. Now, with over three decades of experience in the industry, Dan remains an influential leader. His unwavering commitment to consistency and his relentless pursuit of personal and professional growth have made him a respected mentor and role model for aspiring entrepreneurs. Hey, 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 Richard Blissbrook here, and I've got, as you just heard, the great Dan McCormick with me, who's sitting in paradise in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. As you all heard in the introduction, Dan is an extremely accomplished uh, business leader and author and coach and personal development ambassador, and of course, um, a huge global network marketer for the last 20 years. Welcome to The Authentic Networker, Dan. As you and I know, the probably the most challenging thing about sales, recruiting, doesn't matter if you're in network marketing or you're selling insurance or cars or homes or, you know, the the prospect, the buyer, the potential buyer that, you know, they, all, they have all these like defenses and the defenses are really against inauthenticity, that that state of being, that messaging, that the contrived questions or the hype and all the claims and the bullying and the manipulation and so the guests that I bring on The Authentic Networker are people that I know have built their businesses, whatever kind of business it is, uh, being true to themselves and true to their clients and their customers and, and even true to the people who say no, right, and don't get involved. And you and I have known each other for a long time. We're friends we're collaborators we might even be competitors <laughs> i suppose we have been and might still be on occasion but uh it's one of the things i love about you know our profession and some of the great people in it is you can compete with people but you and i spend a lot more time collaborating than we do competing and you're just one of the tried and true authentic real deal phenomenal story. I mean, everything you've done is from the ground up. You actually did it. You get credit for all of it. In fact, you should get credit for a whole lot that, you know, doesn't show up on your resume. And I, I just look for people like that to share with the world. And, and I want people to know your story. I, I've heard it before, of course, but I want the audience to hear. And one of the things I want them to hear about, Dan, is the vulnerability of you know, how you got started in life, because you were not one of those 4.0 students with high self-esteem. You didn't launch into your business career with a master's degree in anything. <laughs> Tell people a little bit about your childhood and who you were as a kid and young adult 
that then ended up in the business world? Well, I grew up in the Kirkland Bellevue area in uh, Seattle, Washington. And, um, you know, it was um, living with my grandparents while my mom went to work. Parents divorced at a young age. I think I was three or something. Had a younger brother, three years younger. So, um, you know, it was it was uh, it was challenging. Um, but there was something that's always kind of allowed me to participate in life, if you will. And that it was, I felt like I was pretty good at athletics. I wasn't great, but I felt like if you put me on a court or a floor or a ball field of any type that I could excel. If you put me on a track to run, I could excel. And, um, I, I, I wasn't great at any of those things, but I, I took a liking to tennis. My grandmother, where I would come home from school. And so she lived at this apartment complex called 6001 and in uh, Kirkland Redmond area. And I would literally just take my racket and go to the courts. So <clears throat> young kid playing tennis with uh, people much older than me, uh, got a job at, a, at the nearby tennis club. Uh, it was called the Seattle Supersonics Racket and Health Club. I'm 12 years of age, too young to get a job, you know, in the, in the typical signing up as a 16 year old. And so they paid me in credit and I would go there and work for uh, $2 and 35 cents an hour in credit. Not money, but credit. I'm changing right. garbages. I'm sweeping tennis courts. I'm cleaning jacuzzi, uh, toilets, chemicals, uh, showers, washing towels, and all that kind of stuff. And and what fascinated fascinated me about that was the paradigm that I saw. And that was my mom got up every morning and went to work. And these people had money to be at a private club. It was twenty five dollars an hour in nineteen seventy five. I think twenty twenty five dollars an hour to book a court. And uh, that certainly wasn't in our budget, but it was something that was interesting to watch people. And I still can remember their names and I'll, I'll never see them again in my life. But I remember Rich Conrad, the flight, uh, the pilot for uh, for uh, United. I remember, uh, you know, Buzz, the best tennis player at the club. I remember Don. I remember Don Breen. I remember the guys that were much older than me. And I grew up and, you know, the Seattle Supersonics basketball team was there and was fortunate to have, <clears throat> eventually they built the club there the where the training facility was and the basketball team practiced there and so it was a very interesting thing um went got through school how, how i don't know honestly uh very very slow to mature uh could not have read any books as a kid because it didn't compute richard it was very hard it was i i, I could literally take a book and look at the pages and it just wasn't there for me. And long story short, my mom taught me how to read the sports page. And uh, what I found was, is that I could remember statistics of my favorite players. And I lit up on that. And so I, I, I read a tennis book by Yvonne Gulagong. It's the first book I ever read in my life. And she was an Australian tennis player, beautiful lady, beautiful swing, very graceful. And uh, lo and behold, I just continued on. And, and I, I finally got to cash. I made $3.65 an hour at one point. Tennis club member asked me if I'd build courts with him. I'd got, got a raise. I was now now in uh, finishing high school. Uh, he paid me $5 an hour, and he taught me how to work. And there was no shortcuts working with him. He was not going to do anything except build the finest tennis court that was ever built. There will not be a shortcut at any level. And so he taught me integrity. He taught me work ethic. He taught me um, uh, all of the things that went into running his own business and uh, – he became essentially a multimillionaire because he just kept buying houses in Kirkland Bellevue where every year he'd buy a house and fix it up and keep it. Right. Long story short, I went to Washington State University, had an incredible uh, experience at Washington State University. Now, I always ask the audience if we're live to raise their hands and how many have had a college experience. A lot of hands go up and I say, well, how many finished in just two weeks time? And uh, <laughs> lo and behold, not everybody can agree with that, that. That's the way they would perceive finishing. But it was for me. I was finished. And uh, we'll come back to that word later. Perhaps you'll ask me about that word at the end. But um, I then uh, came home, uh, built tennis courts the next summer, got a raise to $6 an hour. And that's when life changed in August of, uh, of 82 when I saw that ad in the newspaper that said, are you making what you're worth? Uh, you know, that's the, that was the social media back in those days. You ran an ad right. in the newspaper. And uh, long story short, I, I found myself at the right place at the right time with the right mentors and then again, it always helps to marry your upline. In my case, I married three up. So it uh, worked out very, very well. 
we uh, we passed our first million dollars in income when I was 22 years of age, I believe. Yeah, that is a great story, Mary. Your upline. Uh, hey, let me ask about some of those early mentors because you know that's oftentimes a missing for people who are looking to develop themselves and you know follow a pattern or a path that somebody has forged in the past. And the mentors in our profession, they're everywhere and most of them are virtually free. And so who were your early mentors or especially what was it about them that had you trust and respect them? And what was it about your thinking that had you pay attention and go to school on them? Because I, what I, I see that missing. I'm sure you do too, Dan. That you know, you have thousands of people that could become successful, right. but they're not coachable. They don't pay attention. They don't study. They don't go to school on people that have done it. Well, I had a life in front of me, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And candidly, I just my mom said something quite magical. For anyone taking notes here today, and if they want to write it in the comments, it's even more comical because I was really good at asking my mom for money, like. New, new tennis racket, new tennis clothes, new sweater, new bike, you know, whatever. And I just asked for money all the time. And my mom said something pretty genius. You know, most people say, hey, money doesn't grow on trees. But my mom said something completely different, which was a paradigm changer. And that is, son, you better make a lot of money when you get older. Because you sure want a lot of things. <laughs> and uh, so I, I kind of thought I was going to make money. I kind of had the feeling I was going to make money. I was around people that made money at the at the private club. And that was before Microsoft, by the way. Our, our city ran on Boeing. When Boeing did well, we did well. When it didn't, right. uh, we didn't. So went to my first meeting, and here's how it started. I walked out into the parking lot, and um, my sponsor, who answered the ad that I called on, and that's another story that can take 20 minutes, but um, – he opened the trunk of his car, said, how much product do you want? He, he told me the best place to start. I wrote a check for, again, three, four hundred bucks. I, you know, I, had, I think I had twelve hundred dollars in my checking account. And then his sponsor walked up and he says, hey, I just want to tell you that, you know, you can do this. And he said, um, you know, years ago, um, I was uh, a Winnipeg Blue Bomber football player. I was in real estate. And now remember, this is 82. So interest rates in. Calgary, Alberta, were 18% where he yeah. lived. And uh, he answered an ad in the newspaper from my wife. And <laughs> he answered that ad because life was so out of control and the spiral had gone so down that he sold his por his house to pay his portion of the debt. And uh, he was $53,000 in debt, no income. His wife's working at McDonald's. And he went out in the garage one day. If anyone doesn't believe in fate, he went out into the garage one day and he picked up that book. Wow. Literally that Sunday, he saw my wife's ad as she was launching this company into Canada. And, and he told me that that changed his life. And, and I wasn't a reader. And so I attempted it, failed, attempted it, failed. And then I finally did it and took the challenge that Ogmandino gave me. And so to answer your question, I did it because when they told me, that readers are leaders and leaders are readers and that, you know, your income is going to be associated with your personal growth. I figured I better get on that track. And, and I did it. And I, I, I would say, this is really important. If anyone wants to write this in the chat, if we have live comments or you see it seven years of reading that Richard before I fully trusted. And I just said, yeah. you know what, why don't I just trust? Why don't I just love? Why don't I just be, where I'm at instead of trying to be somewhere else. And the greatest salesman in the world was that book. And that's obviously 40 million copies ago. I don't know how many millions I've sold, but it's been a few. And um, it's, it's thank goodness that, that Rich DeVos held that up on stage in 1968, because that was the start for me. So Ogmandino, one of your mentors. And so I think the point that I would like make for people is, you know, Everybody's got a bookshelf. Everybody's got a bunch of books. But, you know, wouldn't it be fascinating to have the data, the stats of how, what's the average number of personal development books that people have on their shelf? And how many of them have they read? And then how many of them have they read 10 times? And then how many of them do they own the material so well 
they could teach it without notes. Yeah. Right. So, I want to comment to Susan because I had a girlfriend in high school named Lisa Zabo. I don't know if there's any, I know not many people have that spelling, but <laughs> anyway, Susan, it's great. It's true. And I love what you said there, Richard, because I say, and I said this on stage at the, uh, at the most recent seminar I spoke at, don't read a book, study a book. Yeah. I mean, truly master the craft. I mean, I got some stuff this year that has just jolted me in my own personal development that we'll get to later in the show, but don't read a book. You read a newspaper, you read a magazine and you throw it away. This, look at this. I spoke at a high school class uh, recently, a business class at Mission Viejo High School where I live in Orange County in the, in the winter. And, I and, the, and the business professor uh, or teacher of the class had them write down questions for me. And I got all the, all the questions. And here's a 15-year-old girl asking me, how would you recommend maintaining balance in life? 15-year-old girl. I always feel like I need to be better at my grades. Work on my finances. 15-year-old girl. Build relationships. Work on my physical health. I feel like I don't have enough hours in the day. And I feel discouragement competing at it all. I, I love being on the journey. And if we can serve somebody, one person today, that they will cease the casual and become an expert at asking the quality questions of how can it change my life? How can it make me better? Yeah, the those questions. And... Before we get into that, Dan, I just want to make the note that one of the things that's always inspired me about, about you, we won't talk about me, but we'll talk about you, is, <laughs> you know, eight children. And how long have you and Michelle been married? <clears throat> so Marilyn and I Marilyn, have four, four kids and 14 grandkids. I, I, I may have answered that wrong when you texted me. I apologize. Four kids and 14 grandkids. Yeah, my, yeah. Bad. my bad. And how many years together? Uh, we just celebrated 40 at the Coeur d'Alene Resort, uh, overlooking the, the whole deal. We did a bike ride on the Coeur d'Alene River. Tell you a funny story, because we live, as you know, in an affluent community, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to carry the bags of some of these people. But the fact is, is last year we bought brand new electric bikes for our 39-year anniversary. This is a lesson in how humility and entitlement are, are, are interesting. Think about your relationships with people. My wife and I get in the boat, you know, the boat, the, the travel boat that goes across the lake. Yeah. We happen to get in the boat with some very, very affluent people. And, uh, I said, Hey, you guys, my wife's going to be here in just a minute. We got brand new electric bikes for our 39 year anniversary. So just say happy anniversary to her. And, and I sat on the outside of the boat. She went on the inside and my wife, she is the most humble person. She doesn't care. She doesn't care what you say. She, she doesn't care about all the glim and the glam. She had him as a professor in college. Okay. Wow. So when you got Stephen Covey as a professor in college, you're, you're pretty grounded in, in the seven habits. And this lady says, really, that's what you wanted for your 39 year anniversary. She said, <laughs> yeah, it really was. And she said, like, you didn't want diamonds and stuff. And my wife just looked at her. She said, I already got that stuff. Yeah, this, and, this lesson on communication and connection is invaluable about how we treat people. And Ogmandino said, as his last speech ever was at our company in uh, Utah uh, one week later, and the, the guy that took him to the airport said, Og, you know, can you share, can you share one secret? I mean, this guy is still at the company, still doing that kind of stuff, driving people to the airports, you know, sending somebody a hat. You know, he's kind of like the chief ambassador kind of thing. And Og said, you know, I do. I do have one secret that I could leave with you. And Og said, and remember, he died a week later. He said, I try to treat everybody like they will be gone tomorrow. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a heck of a distinction. I've never heard that one before. That's it's in it's in print. He still keep he shared the email with me or the letter. Yeah. That's so cool. 
Yeah. Well, in speaking to the 15 year old about how to keep balance, I think, you know, one of the things that you can share with people is how do you build a, you know, we're not talking about a typical multi-million dollar network marketing business. Your business has produced hundreds of millions in sales spanning continents and dozens and dozens of countries tens of thousands, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of sales leaders, millions of customers while being married to the same woman for for 39 years and raising four beautiful. And what I know about your kids is they're all healthy. <laughs> they're, they're all healthy emotionally, right? They're in great shape. They're, they're mature. They're, they're great kids. How do you do that, Dan? How do you create that mm. kind of balance, but intensity and focus and loyalty and dedication in multiple areas of your life to produce excellence? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, it goes back to uh, obviously my wife and, and really what her goals were. And she looked at me and she just said, hey, basically, you know, look. We'd only been going out for three months, and she's like, "This isn't casual for me." I'm 19, you know. She's a couple years older, and um, she said, "This isn't casual for me." So I just got to know that: Are you serious about this relationship? And so, it's been serious since since we we answered that question, and um, you know, we wanted to have children at a young age, and uh, our oldest is 37, and she's given a speech tonight to young women about how her life has uh, been impacted by setbacks. She's, she's healthy now, but it was a pretty, pretty rough go as a, as a college basketball player and, and a good one at that um, to be able to overcome getting a tick bite, going to brain surgery, being diagnosed with a disease that only a thousand people in the country have. Nobody even knew what it was. And, um, but I think it's intentionally setting up family time. My wife's big in traditions you know, dinner is this time and we're all here at dinner, at the <laughs> dinner table. You know, there wasn't distractions of the phones and the TVs and the computers back in those days. So I think that's a big one. Right. And uh, lo and behold, uh, it just led to consistency. My, my kids all know they all have their own copies and I have them on my other shows. So, uh, you know, once every couple of years, I'll have them all come on last year. I had them all come on and talk about certain things and how you can do hard things. And uh, life isn't supposed to be easy. Um, you know, it hasn't been easy for me. And I remember Bob Proctor at his uh, 80th birthday party, only 40 people invited. One of my friends was there and Bob started off the meeting by simply saying that for the most part, it's been really hard. Bob Proctor, most people probably wouldn't think that about Bob Proctor. Right. And there's a few people that probably wouldn't think that about me. But I would say that stepping up to the challenge of life is a is a big thing. And, and we have a a family that I, I will say this, that we literally prayed every night, my wife and I together, that our daughters would marry honorable young men. Wow. And that is the greatest answer to prayer. We are, I can say I love all of my son-in-laws. I can hang out with them every day, all day when they're not busy doing their careers, watching them be parents. And, you know, Stephen Covey was very fond of saying is that when you're raising your kids, you're raising your grandkids. Now, think about that for network marketing. When you're raising your team, you're raising the duplication of the team. And that's a very, very valuable point. And, you know, one of the corporate executives at our company recently said, you know, Dan, it's interesting. You know, you're going to be 60 this year and and you're still relevant. <laughs> truly, truly what this corporate executive said. You're relevant today. A lot of people can't say that. I said, look, I want to go through my rhythm with you, what I do, because, you know, you never retire. You only refire. And and so I I go through that <clears throat> that rhythm and it's just it's just the love of the journey and the people and and hoping and meeting that they're in your path and you're ready for that when they're on your path. When you make that new friend, I remember Les Brown saying years ago, what would happen if you could meet one of you a year? I haven't found that to be the case. Maybe like one every seven years to be more like it in my journey, but it is an awesome thing. Hopefully I answered your question there. 
it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's with intention to answer your question. Yeah, intention and unwavering and having <clears throat> a powerful relationship with your word, right? Because yeah. everybody has intentions, right? I, I, I intend to talk to you know, a couple of people a day. I intend right. to you know, build my business. I intend to focus on my spouse. And, but following through with that intention because you have a powerful relationship with your word, that's, that's the slippery slope. That's tough for people. Let's move to um, a lot of the people watching this podcast or network marketers. And, you know, if there's a thousand people watching, 950 of them are struggling or stuck or, um, you know, they've, they've enrolled a few people and probably most of them have quit. Maybe they've enrolled a lot of people and most of them have quit. And see, I think that's the most challenging thing about our profession is, you know, it's, it's low risk. Yeah. You really don't have anything to risk in our profession. It's high gain. Like the upside is like almost unbelievable. So unbelievable. We can't even talk about it. Right. Right. Uh, but perhaps the toughest thing about our profession is the inertia. Yeah. The inertia is, a, you know, it's tough. It's like you got to climb that sandy hill and, Sometimes you scramble like crazy and you make some progress and then, you know, it all goes out from underneath you. And then you got to scramble again and scramble again and scramble again until you get to that place where you do have maybe one person like you. And then you get some traction and you eventually get to a tipping point where you can't even stop it. But how, Dan, did you personally get through the inertia, both mentally, emotionally, and from a work ethic, strategy, single daily method of operation, what did you do to make it through the inertia? So I kind of felt like that if there was one thing I could do, it would be not quit. So I thought, okay, maybe I'm not good at all those other things. I didn't finish school as you kind of queued it up and PhDs or whatever. Right. And I think that I felt like I could just keep going. And I felt like when they told me that if you talk to enough people, you, you, you can, you can make it. And so I figured that I could talk to people and I felt like I was really good at the culture building. Now, again, seven years before I felt I trusted it all. And I felt like I could just keep going and keep turning over those rocks um, those cards, whatever it was going through the numbers, the one penny, the 10 pennies in one pocket and you move them over, whatever, whatever, however you want to look at that game. I remember Mark Hughes, um, you know, when I first started in Herbalife and, you know, and he, he says, look, everything is odds. You know, you talk to some, you got a chance to make some money. You talk to lots, you got a chance to make lots of money. And uh, of course that was uh, great pioneering and mentoring to be surrounded by Mark Hughes, Larry Thompson, and Jim Rohn. That was a pretty good couple of trips that I had. Never forget some of those trips with Jim Rohn, just, you know, private time and and uh, private meetings, small groups, and being influenced by those kinds of people. But I will say that um, Doug put it up beautifully right there, that it's too stubborn to quit. So I felt like whenever your business isn't moving at a fast enough pace, You've got to work on you more. And whenever and whenever those things aren't getting you more results, then you have to look at your onboarding and your systems and your messaging. And that's where your upline and hopefully your team partners come into play. And your company, maybe, maybe I, I don't always say go to corporate because they, they do corporate things, but they can give you insights to what other leaders are doing, if you will. And <clears throat> that is a very, very powerful thing. So if business isn't going fast enough, work harder on you. If that doesn't kind of turn the tide, then really look into your systems and look into your onboarding and look into your messaging. And obviously, there's never been a bear market in the history of mankind that for people that want to make extra money, for people that want better health and people that want to look better. So I'm intrigued by, by asking those hard questions. And I'm OK with having a year that doesn't grow. That's OK with me. As long as I see that I'm doing things that will turn, in my case, the Queen Mary that's sitting in the harbor in Long Beach, it's a big one that has to turn, you know, and it's going to take some time. But when you hit 
you don't ever forget. <laughs> right. As my sponsor, as you know, passed away in a plane crash January 2nd of this year. His mother-in-law, the founding distributor of NewSkin, which is the company that, that I'm with, his mother-in-law reminded him, Clara McDermott, one of the greatest stories in the history of network marketing, back there in the Cambridge weight loss yeah. days to NewSkin. Yeah. And long story short, he would she would remind Nathan, stay humble. It's a big deal. Um, and I, I, I try to connect with me and, and, and I try to do it in my own miracle morning, I try to win the morning. If I win the morning, I can win the day. If I win the day, I can win the week. Hopefully I answered your question. Let's talk about your miracle morning because last time you and I were together in Coeur d'Alene, you were um, relatively new but deep with passion into what you were learning and practicing about that and the difference that it made in your life. You want to tell people about your miracle morning? Yeah, I do um, because I was always a morning guy. And after 40 years of being in the industry, it became casual. And I went to a convention last year and they were selling that book at the counter. And I grabbed the book and I said to my assistant, I said, hey, just cue me up for one of those and the workbook and the journal and the whole deal, it's 50 bucks or whatever. And I came home and I watched the documentary and I had never watched the documentary. And most people haven't, but the documentary on Hal Elrod, A Miracle Morning, and so you can find it on Vimeo or Amazon or his webpage, and it's awesome. So I watched it on a Sunday night, and the next morning I woke up, and I just thought, this guy's real. There's intention here. There's genuine authenticity to Hal Elrod. And it became my calling. I, I literally was wearing myself out because my adrenaline got so high from the book. I began right. to manifest new things in my life. I began to get more intentional. My reading time, I, I've had as many as three hours to start my day because I got so into the miracle morning. And I think when I met with you <clears throat> and Kimmy last summer when you were here, um, you know, I wasn't quite there yet. I, I think you came here in July and I didn't get this till September. And then it just, just kind of springboarded me. And so I started a Facebook page that just is called Miracle Morningside. It's not a company thing. It's not a personal thing. It's not a profit thing. It's a reminder at 5.43 a.m. and 21 seconds. Mel Robbins likes 5.4321. So I said, hey, if you like 5.4321, I'll start 5.43 a.m. I'll go 17 minutes. And I bring on these guest speakers that are giants of morning, winning the morning. And uh, so I got amped about it. <clears throat> and, then it and, then, and then it trickled into uh, Hal's, uh, one of his business partners. So I had her on the show. And then she said, hey. Hal said, why is the movie doing so all, all of a sudden? And I said, well, Dan McCormick's promoting it, New Skin. <laughs> so yeah. we go, she, she introduces me to Hal, and he says, Dan, he says, uh, we're like kindred spirits here. But I, he says, I'm a, I'm a little, um, I'm a little, I don't know how to say this, he says, but I'm a little uh, uh, put off by, by not, that's not the right word, but he says, I make money every time you speak about me. So he says, I really like you. <laughs> and so uh, I had him on one of my other shows to kick the year off. He's a genuine leader. Um, and then it led into me, uh, his book basically asks you this, and I'll ask all the audience today. It's based on three imperatives. And that is, can you wake up every day and say that, you know, that you are just as worthy, deserving and capable and qualified as anyone else to accomplish that dream that you have in network marketing, real estate, insurance, whatever your business is. And, and so I began writing I am statements and I began thinking about my first I am statement that I ever read was Ogmandina. It was scroll number four. It was I am nature's greatest miracle. And so then I then that got in. It became it became a talk. And uh, now it's becoming a book. And hopefully I'll have the book done and out. Um, and it's a fascinating thing to think about. I am statements, Richard. One of my friends shared this with me as he studied it in Sanskrit. I meaning exist, am, meaning with God. So when you say I am, you say I am a creator, I am worthy, I am deserving, I am capable, all of these I am's, and there's litany of them in the Bible. Uh, I am gracious is in the Bible. I am the Lord that healeth in the Bible. I am that I am. So I am writing a book about I am, and we have seven powerful proclamations that you then right into your life. So you're co-creating the book with me. 
That's beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that people need to know about those statements is when we internally express a declaration and affirmation like that, we speak it as those words flow out of our mouth, our body chemistry changes like that. Yeah. I mean, it just, the whole body changes, the physiology changes, our mood changes. It then, when the chemistry in your body changes, your brain starts a role of thinking those kind of, of thoughts. So it's it's like, you know, kickstarting a motorcycle. It's like, boom, you hit that, everything changes, and you start running on that theme. And that's the essence. It's the bedrock of personal transformation. It's the story you and I tell ourselves and we believe that either puts us in a funk and has us attract more funk or it puts us on fire. Man, have I got a comment on that too. Do you, do you know, I, I grew up a tennis player and when Djokovic won on Sunday, hopefully no one hasn't not watched that yet. That's a recorded it. My daughter called me and she said, dad, did you hear what he said? At the post game, Jim. Hey, Jim Packard's on with us, man. I saw that. He's one of my favorites. Okay. So my daughter says, did you hear what Djokovic said? They asked him about how do you get ready mentally? Richard, I don't know if anybody has read Molecules of Emotion by Candace Perk 20, 30 years ago, but he said, every cell in your body feels what you're putting in it. This guy knows he was winning. Did you see the jacket? He had number 23 engraved on the jacket before he won. When Amazon sets out to change the world, they write a press release today in 2023 for the announcement of the product coming out in 2025. You see the future and you absolutely feel it with every fiber of your being, which is why our friend that just had it up on the screen a minute ago said, I am that I am. When God, yeah, Anthony right there. So when God introduces himself to Moses. So I am fired up that you asked me to be on the show. I got to try to calm down a, a tone or two here. <laughs> well, hey, uh, let's leave some people with some nuggets. Uh, because remembering who's watching, remembering how many people are struggling or stuck or I know I didn't plan this, so you don't have this in notes, but I know you can rip this out of your heart. What are three things you would tell people, like if they're stuck, if they're in a funk, if they're going backwards, if they're treading water? What are three things you would, if you were sitting with them, what are three things you would leave them with? Three requests that you would make, three challenges that you would give them to move them, just create movement in the direction of progress. What would you ask them to do? You know, it's an awesome thing, and I, I teach this regularly. I'm glad you asked. So there's three things that every distributor is going to need. There's three things that every life's going to need. There's three things that every leader's going to need, every neighbor's going to need. By the way, I learned recently that a neighbor isn't just a function of proximity, but it's a function of your heart to be a good neighbor. Not just a function of proximity, but a function of your heart. So number one, everyone needs a friend. And I value our friendship. I, I, I'm one of the weird ones. When Rob Sperry wrote his first book, he called me a pinger. He said, Dan McCormick is a pinger. And Richard, you know me as a pinger. Out of the blue, I'll just ping you. You know? And I, so everyone needs a friend first. And number two, you have to be able to know what your responsibility is. And if you're stuck, I would say that you probably just, in all candor, from the way I see it, the utmost of humility needs to happen. And that's why the quality of your life is based on the quality of the questions you ask and who you ask to, which is yourself. And I would say you have to get on your knees. And you have to plead with a higher power of whatever that is for you, that you can find the guidance to help you get unstuck. Now, I know in my life that I'm not a very patient person, but out of my 40 year journey, I'll bet seven of them have been pretty autopilot. And 
a lot of others challenges you know you're, you're never on that straight line to success it's always that squiggly line right so i say everyone needs a friend value and cherish your friendships learn how to be a friend and ask how they and their family are doing without the idea that you have a product to sell right just saying that friendship stuff now a friend responsibility and finally is nourishment and if you haven't found your rhythm to your life of self-help, look, keep it simple, find what speaks to you, and master it. You know, Og says in the book, how many great speakers have made a career out of mastering one speech? Just one. I mean, my, my good friend Peter Vidmar was an Olympic gold medalist. He was, um, uh, you know, he had a perfect score. He mastered one speech, and he's a, he's a Hall of Famer in the... Uh, in the National Speakers Association. So hopefully those things connect with people and they can not seem oversimplistic, but it's also in closing, not so much about uh, where you're going as much as it is about being where you are. And I love the idea that I'm okay being where I am. And I might have compared myself uh, and had an abundance of ego at certain times in my career. You get older and you just appreciate the journey and the people. And it won't matter if I add a comma to, to, my, to my commission check. Uh, but what will matter is if I add commas to the number of friends that I have. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's just such great wisdom. You know, when we are younger, we we have these fantasies of being the fastest, the biggest, the best, the largest, the record record setter. And then we realize, you know, the world's a big place and there's a lot of people with that same ambition. And if the way you set yourself up in life is you have to be number 1 to be a winner, you're going to be a loser 99.99999% of the time, right? That's yeah. not a good setup. How about instead of competing with other people, we just compete with ourselves, you know? How about this year be a little bit better than last year? How about we read a little bit more, we talk to a few more people, we hone our skills of being authentic and curious as opposed to manipulative and headhunting. And... We just create more consistency this year than last year. Those years stack up and they yes. pay off. And I think that those are great keys, Dan, to, to living. A, you know, there's not very many people like you and I. You're 40 years now, right? Yeah, 40. Yep. Yeah. Well, look around the profession. There's not very many people that have been doing this for 40 years right. that are successful that are wealthy, right? They don't actually even need their network marketing income. And they are still on fire about doing it. Yeah, very fired yeah. up. Now, how do you do that? Well, you know, most of the people that I'm I've seen in our profession- that question on how you do it. I'm gonna answer that question in closing, if you don't mind. I, I, I wanna hear it, you know, but I, you I, know, I, most I really of the people you and I know that beat their heads against the wall trying to be the best and be number one and you know, they burn out and then they yep. burn out everybody around them and they're done. And, you know, I think it's such a grand profession that it deserves to be done our whole lives. You know, why not be talking to people when you're 80? Why not be coaching when you're 80? Why not be introducing people to great products and, and great lifestyle when you're 80 or 90? Why stop? Why retire? Only if you do it in such a way that burns you out and burns other people out. Right. So how have you done it? How have you finished? Okay. And you're not finished. Right. So tell us about finishing and tell us about how do you be here 40 years from now and still be on fire? Yeah, you're right, man. Never retire, only refire is a constant mantra for me. Um, Stephen Covey said it best. You should always be looking for your next project to be your most and biggest and best project. He called it the crescendo of life, if you will. Sadly, he uh, was in the middle of writing that book, Live Life in Crescendo, when he died. 
And uh, so his sister just finished it and it just came out, Life in Crescendo by Stephen Covey. Wow. So right after Nathan died, January 2nd, um, I think it was just two or three days later when a great friend of mine and yours and uh, one of the greatest successes in the network in the history of network marketing reminded me of a talk that Nathan gave in Spain in 2017. And the talk was called Be a Finisher. And Nathan had not given a lot of thought to that term when he was assigned that topic. This is a guy that does a billion dollars a year in revenue in his downline. This is a guy that built uh, communities and buildings and innovations of something that is just so rare that someone is better at the business side of life than they were at the network marketing side of life. Like, it's just, I, I used to fly with him and, and I used to watch him do stuff and I just go, he mastered the tax code so he could, you know, tell his accountant how to save an extra penny or two. And he was brilliant. The talk was called Be a Finisher. And so when the scripture teaches us in the New Testament, I am the author and the finisher of my faith. I started thinking about that. And so chapter seven of my book is I am a finisher. Nathan will be featured in that chapter quite a bit. And it's not a book about our company. It's not a book about a particular church. It's a book about faith, hope, light, and, um, and, and, and overcoming. But I was listening at 130 degrees in an infrared sauna riding a bike, January 5th, 6th, something like that. And I'm listening to Nathan, as my friend Justin said, yeah, 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 you know, that, that, that talk, be a finisher, that's something. And I found myself saying, there's no way I cannot finish this 20-minute bike ride at 130 degrees. There's no way I can't finish this newest project. There's no way I can't finish. And so if we start fewer things and finish more things, we're going to have a better trajectory to life. We're going to have a healthier self-image. And I want to challenge everybody to say, I am a finisher. It'll change the trajectory of the projects that you get involved with. And I couldn't be more thrilled that you invited me to be here to share that. Because chapter one of my book is, I am a creator. Because that's the first scripture in the Bible. The Lord says, I created the heavens and the earth. So I am a creator, not a godly creator, but at, at every a daily creator. Thank you, Doug. A daily creator of all of the stuff that goes into your day. And then you work your way through the morning. I am, I am, I am. And then at night, you can say, you know what? I'm a finisher. I finished the day. I did it all. Now, when you close your eyes at night, you have nothing to worry about except that deep theta, theta sleep. And, um, and I, I'm just convicted in my own I am that I'm a better person because Nathan gave that talk in 2017. Is there a place people can find that, Dan? Yeah, they can go to YouTube and just type in Nathan Ricks, be a finisher. Absolutely yeah. unbelievable. Nathan Ricks, Ricks, be a finisher, be a finisher, yep. YouTube. Powerful. Dan, you and I could talk for hours. I imagine most of these people would hang on and listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I promise people will be done in about 45 minutes. You have given, if people just go back and listen to this, you know, this is one of the things you and I learned early on, right? You watch a podcast and 72 hours later, you remember about 10% of it. Right. And so if you watch it again, you know, you might remember like 30% of it. If you watch it four or five times, you might remember 70% of it. So if you think about, Okay, we've been talking for 45 minutes. All these nuggets of wisdom, all these lessons that you have laid down. What if people only heard, what if you only spoke 10% of them? People are leave so much wisdom on the table. So I encourage you folks, watch it again. Take yep. notes. Watch it again. Take notes. Watch it again. Lay out some action steps because there's not very many Dan McCormick's in the world. It's not very many people that have been in a career for 40 years. And, I, you know, I didn't go deep into your accomplishments, Dan, but suffice to say, hundreds of millions a year in sales. 
been, it's been hundreds a good of thousands, millions of customers. I mean, when it comes to network marketing, you're not a one percenter. You're not one out of a thousand. You're not one out of ten thousand. You're one out of a million. And that doesn't. And the reason I got into your early days is it's not because you had any kind of magic touch. Right. You're not a unicorn. You're not the guy that dropped into Herbalife or New Skin and just, you know, sponsored 200 people without even thinking about it. You earned every bit of this. And like you said, most years were a struggle. Most years were either down or flat or you trying to figure it out. And how did you do it? You just stayed at it. Right. Stay at meeting people, making friends. Stay at personal development. Stay at getting better, sharpening your axe, as Stephen Covey would say. Just stay at it, right? And then you look back 40 years later, you got, oh, my gosh, this is pretty good, right? Yep. <laughs> this, is, yep. this is a pretty good life. But guess what, right? Can you ever beat Nathan Ricks? No. Well, you're, in, you're on his team, right? So, <laughs> so the whole, you know, trying to be the best, trying to be the biggest, that just wears us out, right? Just yeah. be better than you. And I just encourage people, study, study. This is gold. Study it. And if people want more of Dan McCormick, where do they find you? Just connect with me on Facebook. Yeah. And just uh, just do it. I post stuff there all the time. I went out at 6 in the morning and posted a video the other morning. And I'll, I'll be doing more stuff at the Miracle Morningside page if anybody wants to join me at 5.43 a.m. Pacific time. It's a, just a, a seven-day reminder. Ben Franklin did it for 64 years. Nathan, uh, this was the award they gave him for the ANMP, um, you know, and as I presented him after, uh, you know, Doris Wood and he passed away last year. Other great icons passed away as well. And uh, this is just the one that I was connected to. And uh, it was it was a very rough start to the year. And in some ways, it's still challenging and interesting to navigate without someone that was a success at that level. But I really appreciate your words, your kindness, um, maybe even overstating some of the things I do, because I think the greatest thing about this podcast is what's in it for the listener. And you always take a message and say, how can I craft that for my life? Because Richard's life on that beautiful island is one life. My life in Coeur d'Alene is another. But you craft it for your life. You get the most out of it for your life. And I think that my life, I am as revved up right now as I could ever be. I'm just charged to meet new friends and hang out. My grandkids caught a fish yesterday off the dock and they kissed the fish. I got a three-year-old kissing the fish. It's craziness. So Mike Green right there, baby. Mike Green's one of those great realtors in Coeur d'Alene that you know, Richard. So, Oh, yeah. Hello, Mike. Yeah, it's good to be with you, Richard. Thank you so much. I'd just love to be with you when the book comes out later in the year. Yeah, we'll do that. Thank you so much, Dan. Have a great day, and I'll see you in a month. God bless you all. Thanks. Thanks, gang, for showing up. Over and out.